1 Corinthians chapter 3, let's begin reading at verse 10 and read the word of the Lord together. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Now, Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for the privilege of being with your people. Open our hearts now as we hear the word of the Lord and help us to hear what the Spirit will say today in the midst of the preaching. I lift up other life-giving churches to you and I pray special blessing upon them today. I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you. I particularly pray for sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith. Draw them back to you, I ask, O oh Lord. Lord, the moment I say that, there are, there are people that are in this service and their minds immediately went to a loved one that needs to come back to you. Give attention to those concerns, I pray. I ask that your compassion be extended to those people. Draw them back to you so that not one of them is lost. I pray these things in the only name that matters, the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Late one foggy night, a watchman on a battleship saw a light flashing in the distance. As he watched this light, it grew closer and it appeared to be on a direct collision course with his ship. The watchman alerted the commander of the vessel who instructed him to radio the person up ahead and inform him they were on a collision course so he should change course 20 degrees to starboard. Instead of complying with the request, the person radioed back, no, you change course 20 degrees to starboard. That didn't sit very well with the commander of the vessel, so he had the operator radio back, I'm the commander of this vessel, I'm an admiral in the United States Navy, I have 25 years of combat experience, and I order you to change course 20 degrees to starboard. The reply came back, I am a seaman first class in my first year of duty. You change course 20 degrees to starboard. Now the commander is incensed. He radioed back, I'm a United States naval destroyer. Now change course 20 degrees to starboard. 
the reply came back, I am a lighthouse. Sometimes we need to stop and reevaluate our position, what's happening in our lives, what our priorities are, where we're going. That's what I'm trying to help us do in the series of messages I'm bringing on Sunday mornings that I've called the divine perspective. What I'm really asking you to do is re-examine your belief system. I'm asking you to take stock of those things that are at the core of what you believe. The reason I'm encouraging you to do this is because we have already discovered in the first message that what you believe will determine what you are. What you believe deep down on the inside about yourself will determine the way you are. What you believe about other people will determine the way you interact with them. What you believe about God will determine the quality of your relationship with Him. Belief determines behavior. The reason some of our lives are in the mess they are is because we have lived parts of them according to a faulty belief system. We've never made the necessary corrections to get us back on the right course. As a result, we've ended up on the rocks of ruin. Last week, I spoke to you about the area of success. And there we learned that success is directly tied to goals. If you aren't having success in achieving your goals, then chances are pretty good that you're working on the wrong goals. Now, if you weren't here last week and you want to know more about that, get a copy of the CD or go online and watch the archive video of the service because I don't have time to re-preach all of that if I'm going to get to this one today. Because today I want to talk to you about another issue we need to examine for a possible course correction. I want to talk to you today about significance. I dare say there isn't a person listening to this message who doesn't want his or her life to have meaning and purpose. We all want to have value and worth. We all want our life to count for something. We all want to have significance. Well, just as success is tied to goals, significance in your life is directly tied to time. Significance is a time issue. Things that are forgotten over time are of little significance. Things that are remembered for a period of time are of greater significance. Things that endure for eternity are of great significance. Problem is that most people are focusing their energies on things that are remembered only for time and they're giving very little attention to or are ignoring altogether those things that are eternal. Think, think for a moment about some of the things we invest so much of ourselves in so we can have a sense of importance or significance. You know, we invest ourselves in work. You know, we don't just have a job. We have a career. We strive to succeed in that career because we derive a sense of accomplishment and significance if we rise to the top of our profession. I mean, most of the time, think about it. When, you, when someone introduces themselves to you, they will usually, right up near the top part of what they talk about themselves, they give you their name, but very often they will then tell you what they do, right? Because we attach all kinds of significance to that. I hate to break it to you, but no matter how long and how hard you work, one of these days you will no longer have that job. 
Somebody else will step into your spot. Somebody else will occupy your office. Somebody else will take the company to the next level. Or maybe the company will fold and the job will terminate. Maybe the company will be taken over by another company and you'll find yourself on the unemployment line. If your significance is wrapped up in your job and that career, you'll find yourself crushed. Some people invest themselves in their hobbies, others in their possessions, but, but none of those things are permanent. You know, the Bible talks about two dimensions of reality. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, they are described as the seen and the unseen. The first one, the seen, is the one most of us give the greatest attention. It's the natural physical realm we discern through our physical senses. You know, we see the lightning flash across the sky and we say, that's real. We hear the music of the orchestra and we say, that's real. We feel the softness of newborn skin and say, that's real. We smell the fragrance of new mown grass and we say, hmm, that's real. We taste the sweetness of mom's apple pie and we say, that's real. As real as those things are, the things which are discerned through our physical senses are temporal and perishable. They are here for a while, and then they vanish. Then the Bible talks about things that are unseen, things that exist in the other realm of reality that are not discerned through our natural senses. Those unseen things are eternal. They never pass away. What you need to understand is that those things that are forgotten or are lost in time, those things have very little significance. What has the most significance is that which lasts the longest. So the things that are most significant are the things that are eternal, which is in the realm of the unseen. Now, both of those realms are present in your life right now. Right this very minute, you have a physical body that is temporal, housed within that temporal body of flesh, intricately woven into it is an eternal soul. The Lord has granted you a certain number of years to dwell in your earthly body. While in this body, you can do all kinds of things to it. You can train it, you can exercise it, you can tan it, you can tuck and lift it, you can nourish it, uh, you can groom it, you can pamper it, uh, you can give it good medical care. But no matter how well you treat your physical body, the reality is one of these days it will no longer function. Your body is temporal, it will not last. However, living within that temporal body of flesh is a soul. Although you can't see it, even with the most sophisticated of imaging equipment known to modern science, that soul is eternal. You can abuse your soul, you can refuse to care for it, you can ignore it, you can take no thought of it, regardless of how you treat it or how you mistreat it, it is eternal. What that says to me is in light of significance, the most significant part of me and the most significant part of you isn't the physical body we can see, but it's the eternal soul we cannot see. With that truth in mind, I want to suggest the most significant thing you can do with your life right now is make proper preparation and provision for your eternal soul. That starts with you turning away from sin and turning to salvation. 
It starts when you stop ignoring God and you surrender to the lordship of his son, Jesus. You know, Romans 3.23 declares all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Ezekiel 18.20 says the person who sins will die. Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death. Now, now understand, this isn't just the murderers and the rapists and the thieves and the abusers and the blasphemers. That's each and every human being born on this planet. That proclamation of God's wrath on our sin would be horrible news for our eternal soul except for one very powerful, exhilarating, mind-blowing truth. Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sin. Jesus said in, 14, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said in John 10, 10, I am come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. After declaring the punishment for sin as death in Romans 6, 23, the verse continues and says, but... I'm so glad that word is there. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. According to Ephesians chapter 2, you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Has nothing to do with any good work you can perform. It's simply because he loves you, he wants you, and he freely gives eternal life to all who will come to him in faith. See, your value isn't that you have a million dollars in the bank. Your value isn't that you have a name recognized around the world. Your value isn't that you have authority over other people. Your value is that when you surrendered your life to Jesus, at that moment, you were born again into a brand new family, the family of God. You're a child of God. You're part of the family of God. Your worth and your value and your significance isn't determined by who you are. It's in whose you are. You are a child of the king. Praise God. I'm telling you, if you're saved, you have significance. When you surrendered your life to Jesus, the angels of heaven stopped what they were doing so they could celebrate your decision. I'll tell you something else. Just the fact that you have an eternal soul makes you valuable and significant to the almighty heavenly father. See, according to Genesis 1 and 27, you are made in his image. According to Psalm 8 and 5, you're made a little lower than the angels and you're crowned with glory and honor. According to Psalm 139 and 14, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The almighty creator of the universe loves you and desires a close relationship with you. Listen, you're not junk. You're not worthless. You are of infinite value to God. Now, not only is it important to invest in your eternal soul, but in order to have a real sense of significance, you must be investing your life in things of eternal value. And that brings me back to our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that you thought I'd forgotten all about. The foundation for your life is Jesus. Your faith in him settles the question of where your soul is going to spend eternal, eternity. Your faith in him gives you worth and value and significance. But then the next issue you need to check is how you will build your life. Are you going to invest your life in the, in the permanent or in the perishable? 
There is within each of us a deep felt cry of the heart that longs for significance. We want to think our life makes a difference. After I'm gone, will, will anybody even remember I was here? What difference will it have made that I was here? How will I be remembered? Most importantly, what can I take with me into eternity that will have lasting value? Our text describes our lives and the works we perform on this earth like a building. Every day we are adding to that building those things we will one day present to the Lord. When we bring them before his throne, they are going to be thoroughly tested to see if they are fit for eternity. It isn't a popular theme in this day of express yourself, but the truth is we are all accountable to God and will one day answer to him for our thoughts, our words, and our deeds. Don't you just nudge your neighbor and say, I didn't really want to hear about that today, but... Uh, Thank you for telling me, Pastor. When you present the building of the life you've constructed out of your thoughts, your motivations, your actions, your words, and priorities, and priorities to him on that judgment seat, he's going to take that building and he's going to put it through his spiritual fire. Everything built out of materials of eternally enduring quality will remain. Everything built out of temporal materials will be reduced to ash. The text says you can build with gold, silver, and precious stones, things that will withstand the fire and will remain in eternity, or you can build with wood, hay, and straw which will be consumed by the fire and you will be left with only a foundation. You will be saved because your foundation is Jesus. But you will have nothing to show for your life. I don't know about you, but I don't want my labor to be in vain. I want my life's work to count for something, not only for time, but for eternity. The text describes eternal significance in terms of three different building materials. Each of these materials identifies an aspect of our character that needs to be examined in light of God's word. First, the text lets us know that significance begins with a proven faith. He says, build with gold. And when we talk about building with gold, we hear the you hear the Old Testament elder say in Job 23 and 10, he knows the way I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. We hear the wisdom writer say in Proverbs 17 and 3, the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. We hear the apostles say in 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor 
at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What that says to us is that gold that lasts in all eternity is what has been tried and approved through waiting in faith. That faith and hope and trust in God, which you hold on to even while going through a fiery trial, becomes gold in your life. Do you remember the trials of Job? Remember in one day, his flocks and herds were stolen, his crops were destroyed, his servants were slaughtered, and his seven sons and three daughters were killed. One after another, a survivor of the catastrophes arrived to tell Job of the sudden tragedies. When the last one told his tale of horror, verse 20 of Job chapter 1 says, Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and complained bitterly and railed against God and told him how unfair it was. No, that's not what it says. Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. The next verse, he then said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I tell you, in that one moment of worship, Job mined the largest gold nugget you have ever imagined. Let me ask you, what do you do when trials come knocking on your door? Do you welcome them as friends or do you run and hide from them? Do you invite them in or do you tell them to go next door to your neighbor? Watch this. If you don't ever have any trials, you will never have any gold. Imperishable gold is your faith and trust in God that endures through the fires of trials and tests and adversities. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't give a copper penny for a faith that can't be stretched and pulled and pounded and tested. If your faith is that fragile, you don't need to build the walls of your life with it. It won't last. You know, there's a substance... Uh, called pyrite, which on the surface looks like gold. It, it sometimes passes for that to the untrained eye. It's commonly referred to as fool's gold. To the untrained eye, it masquerades as gold, but compared to the real thing, it, it has very little value. See, one way you can tell the difference between real gold and fool's gold is by pressing a small piece of it with a pin or a sharp piece of wood. Real gold will bend with the pressure. Fool's gold will break. Real gold is produced in your life when you encounter the testing, the fiery trials, the affliction, the contradiction, the problems of life, and you do it unto praise and honor of God, and you let the character of Christ be formed in you, and you allow it to burn out all the contaminating dross and purify your life and make you soft and pliable in the master's hands, and you say through it all, Lord, do with me as you will, I'm yours. I'm telling you, that's gold which is imperishable. It's eternal. No one can take it away from you. 
If you're looking to have significance, significance is having a proven faith, building with gold. Not only that, but our text talks about building with silver, which speaks of purified motives. In the Old Testament, the prophets gave some insight into this idea, linking silver with purified motives. For example, in Malachi 3 and 3, the prophet said, and he will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them as gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. The prophet said in Zechariah 13 and 9, and I will bring the third part through the fire, refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. Then in Isaiah chapter 48, verses 10 and 11, the Lord spoke through the prophet and proclaimed, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I will act. For how can my name be profaned and my glory I will give to none other? When the Lord speaks through Malachi about purifying the sons of Levi like silver so the offerings and sacrifices they make will be acceptable, and when he says through Isaiah that he will not give his glory to another, he's talking about the purification of our motives. See, God has a way of revealing our inner motivation. He takes the fire of his spirit and burns off all the dross of selfishness. And when he does that, we're left with purity of heart so that our sole desire is to see God glorified. Anything that would hinder the reflection of our Lord is removed from our lives. Selfishness is gone. God is glorified. You know, the story is told of a man who went down to watch the silversmith at work. He found the smith holding a pan of silver over the fire in the furnace. When he asked what he was doing, the silversmith explained that he was purifying the silver. As the silver got hot, the impurities would separate from the silver, rise to the surface, and be skimmed off. The smith explained, when, when the silver is in the fire, I watch it very closely. I never take my eyes off it. If I don't leave it in the fire long enough, it will retain some dross and not be pure. If I leave it in too long, the silver will be injured. So I wait until just the right moment to remove it. The man asks, well, how do you know when it's time to remove the silver from the fire? He replied, when I can see my reflection. That's just the way God works with us. We want to avoid the fire. We want to complain about the heat getting turned up in our lives. Come on, somebody, if you just don't get too quiet on me, I'll think you're not hearing me and I'll have to go back and repeat all of this. What we fail to understand is that the fiery trial in our life isn't necessarily a work of the enemy. It just could be the master silversmith who has placed us there. And his purpose isn't to injure us, it's to refine us. Now, don't miss this truth. Even in the fire, he holds you. You may feel you're in the fire right now, but take heart. He's holding you. He doesn't ever let you go. Not only does he hold you, but he watches you. 
He hasn't abandoned you. He's watching you. He's holding you and he's watching you. And when he brings you out, everybody that sees you is going to see his image reflected in your life. I'm telling you, we would be amazed at the things we could accomplish if we stopped caring who got the credit. We'd be amazed at the things God would do if we would stop trying to point out all the ways we helped him out. Suddenly, it stops mattering who knows your name as long as the Lord knows your name. It stops mattering who gets the spotlight or who gets the promotion as long as the work is accomplished and God is glorified. Only those things that are done from pure motives are going to last in eternity. Only those things will really give you any sense of significance. Significance is having a proven faith, building with gold. Significance is having purified motives, building with silver. Then we find that significance is having pressure-treated character, and it involves building with precious stones. The Lord speaks through the prophet and says in Isaiah chapter 54, verses 11 through 14, O afflicted ones, storm-tossed and not comforted, behold, I will set your stones in fair colors and your foundations I will lay in sapphire. Moreover, I will make your battlements of rubies and your gates of crystal and your entire wall of precious stones. And all your sons will be taught of the Lord and the well-being of your sons will be great. In righteousness you will be established, and you will be far from oppression, for you will not fear. You know, geologists tell us that precious stones are made through a process that occurs over a long period of time, where elements are pressed together. Intense pressure with fire and heat. Layer upon layer upon layer, intense pressure over a long period of time until finally the precious stone is formed. What you need to remember today is that God is much more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. And character is formed under pressure. I would suggest to you that the precious stones in your life are the values that are established within you through the choices you make when you're under intense pressure. You know, each and every day, you are called upon to make multiple decisions. Many of those decisions put you between the pressures of culture on one hand and the call of God on the other. Every time you make a decision that is in keeping with God's word and God's will, and you stick to that decision under pressure, you buy into a value system that is forming a precious stone of godly character. Here's what some of that means in practical terms that everybody can understand. Young lady, when the man you're dating tells you that he loves you, and if you really loved him, you'd prove it with sexual intimacy. When you make the choice to resist the pressure from him and the norms of the culture to follow the plan of God instead of satisfying temporary desires of the flesh, and you remind that young man that sex is reserved for the marriage bed. And if he keeps insisting on it, you tell him to take a long walk on a short pier. 
you've just produced a diamond of eternal value. Mr. Professional, when the boss comes in and says, you've just been given double your salary, but it's going to require extended hours, you'll have to work on Sundays, you have to make a lot of trips out of town away from your family, and you'll often be traveling in the company of two young single women, and you tell him, thanks, but no thanks, because you value your health and your relationship with God your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your family, more than you value the honor and the prestige and the additional income. My friend, you've just created a precious stone that will last throughout all eternity. God is trying to produce in your life some pressure-treated character. He doesn't want the things of this life and the pressures of this world and the eroding influence of the culture to eat away at you and destroy the things you're working so hard to build. He doesn't want it to wipe out your value and take away your significance. Now listen, there are going to be times when you'll be afflicted. There will be times when you'll be storm-tossed. There will be times you'll feel it's unmanageable. But don't you give up. You hold fast to the hand of God. Hang on. Refuse to bow to the gods of this age. Refuse to buy into the system of the ungodly. Because out of the pressure, God is building you a pressure-treated character that is a precious stone that's going to sparkle throughout all eternity. Significance is tied to time. The things that are going to last forever are a proven faith, gold. Purified motives, silver, pressure-treated character, precious stones. Now let me ask you, what are you investing your life in that you can carry with you into eternity? What will you present before the Lord for his inspection? Things that will last in eternity, those are the things that have real significance. You may be really busy right now. You, you may be active and involved in a lot of projects. Everything around you may be hitting on all cylinders. But no matter how impressive it is, no matter how impressive it all seems right now, it doesn't have eternal value. It's just wood, hay, and straw. So I ask you, do you need to make a course correction today? You need to put your priorities on those things of eternal significance rather than temporarily pleasurable only when you invest in that which is of eternal value, only then can your life have real significance. Stand with me, please. You know, I don't know in this series if I'm preaching or if I'm teaching or if I'm just giving you a little talk. But... Uh, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to build something into your life. I'm, I want your lives to count. And it isn't just about coming in and feeling good. It's about anchoring ourselves in the truth of God's Word. I want to I tell you today, the beginning place to secure the health of your eternal soul, that's where it all begins, is to, is to make sure that that's right. 
you do that by repenting of your sin and surrendering your life to Jesus. And then some of you, you're not bad people. My goodness, I got a church full of good people. Some of you have just kind of drifted. You know, they're making vehicles now with a feature that when you have lane drift, you know, it sets off an annoying buzzer or beeping, you know, beep, 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 beep. That's what I feel like these messages are. Some of you have gotten in a little lane drift. And it's a beep, 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 beep. Warning. Let's put it back in the middle where it belongs. Let's make a course correction. We may need to change course because <laughs> it's a lighthouse out there. <laughs> Bow with me. Maybe there's someone today who's been a part of this service, who's heard this message and the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart and you realize that you've never really fully committed your life to Jesus. Today you want to do that. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or identify yourself except to identify yourself to me so I know who I'm praying for. And if that's you saying, Pastor, I need to make an adjustment today. I need a course correction. The Holy Spirit is speaking in my heart about something. If that's you, could I just see your hand, please? Just hold it up for a second. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. You can put it right back down. Anybody else? Father, I thank you for your word that speaks to us so clearly. I thank you, O oh Lord. And I thank you for the Holy Spirit that is dealing with our hearts right now, bringing us to that place we need to be, pointing out those areas where we need a course correction. And I'm asking now that you will give us the courage to come into agreement with the Holy Spirit with what he's saying to us right now. And our minds from this day forward will be focused, they'll be made up, they'll be determined. We're going to follow your way and your path. We're going to lay all of these other things aside. We're going to focus on you. Forgive us, oh Lord, for where we've fallen away. Forgive us for where we've strayed. And now draw us back, I pray. And give us that assurance that you are with us, you're holding us, you're watching us, you're not letting us go, and you're keeping us in all the trials. Lord, there's some people in this house and there's some people watching online that they're in the middle of a fiery trial. I pray, oh Lord that you will be so real to them right now, so near to them right now, that they will not lose heart, and they will not lose hope, but they will persevere, they'll hang in, they'll stay true. And when they do, 
not only will something of eternal value be formed in their life, but then you will bring them through that with grace and glory to the praise of your glorious name. Thank you for hearing our prayer today. Thank you for doing that. Somebody ought to just, just slip up a hand to the Lord and give thanks to him for his word and give thanks to him for his spirit that is at work in this place right now. Would you do that? Come on, just thank the Lord together all over this house. Oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing.